Welcome to the Life and Legacy Show, where we discuss all things elder law, estate, and legacy planning. Hosted by certified elder law attorney, Tim Seckler, from the Seckler Law Firm. And now your host, attorney Tim Seckler. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of the Life and Legacy Show, sponsored by the Seckler Law Firm, where great families make great plans. My name is Tim Seckler. Uh, I own the Seckler Law Firm. It's a veteran-owned law firm operating in and around uh, the North Hills of Pittsburgh, but we serve uh, our clients all over western Pennsylvania. And and so uh, this show, what we try to do is bring good and interesting content to you around estate planning and elder law information, and today's going to be a good one. So uh, today what we're going to be discussing is... um, Medicaid myths. So when a senior ends up in a nursing home and they are attempting to figure out long-term care, how are we going to pay for this? Nursing homes are ten grand a month. Is there any way we can get anyone else to help us pay for it? The conversation almost always turns to Medicaid eligibility for nursing home care or Medicaid care provided in your home in the community. And, of course, Medicaid has some harsh asset and income rules. We're going to discuss some of those today. Uh, This is going to be a bit of a technical episode, uh, but I think it's an important one. If you are a senior, if you have a senior in your family, if you know a senior, if you go to church with somebody, uh, especially if someone is already receiving long-term care in a residential setting, this is going to be an important episode. Share it with them. You can find it anytime as a podcast uh, at the Life and Legacy Show, wherever you find your podcast, iTunes or Spotify or wherever you do that. But I think this is going to be a uh, an important and a valuable episode. Uh, and before we get to it, for those of you who have not heard about my law firm before, we are your family's partner in elder law and all things estate planning. We are headquartered in Mars. I am a certified elder law attorney, which means I've been doing this for a while. I've got a great team behind me. We do uh, quite a few Medicaid applications uh, in and around western Pennsylvania for people in the nursing home. I advise people on Medicaid eligibility, spend down, asset protection. We write a lot of wills and trusts and and are kind of in the business of helping you protect your net worth from um, the harmful financial effects of needing long-term care. Uh, I got into this business after having watched my grandfather go through his life savings, uh, battling Alzheimer's disease, and have uh, have built a practice helping people to avoid that situation. So today, we're going to talk about some Medicaid myths, some things, you know, if, if you talk to five different people uh, about this, you're going to hear all types of things, five-year look-back period, and, and you're going to go broke and all the rest. So here here's the myths that we're going to tackle today. One is that if you need to go on Medicaid, you're going to get terrible care. You know, they're going to stick me in a in a county home in the broom closet with three or four other people, and a uh, nurse is going to stop by every other week or so, and, and, and that's just not the way it happens, okay? Um, so we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about whether you have to go broke, what are the rules, what are the exceptions to the rules. You know, the devil is in the details here. And um, there are some terrible rules in the Medicaid playbook, but there are some things that you should know that can help you protect assets, um, we're going to discuss the five-year look-back period and how that works. And is it too late if you're already within the five years? You know, if, if someone needs care next year, are you too late? And then uh, the biggest myth about the house. Uh, do we lose the house? Do we not lose the house? Is it safe? Is it not safe? How does this all work? So those are the things that we're going to discuss in today's episode. 
Um, and before we do, this is going to be a bit of a technical episode. So, you know, I'm a lawyer. I've got to do my little disclaimer. Do not take action based upon what you hear on this episode or any other for that matter. This is general information. Uh, the facts of your specific case may vary. And if you decide to work without a lawyer and, and listen to any of this and make a mistake or do something you shouldn't do, it could cost your family big time. So don't go this alone. This is complicated stuff. You need to enlist uh, the help of an elder law attorney. We're available anytime at secklerlawfirm.com, 724-841-1393. Okay, so first thing I want to tackle and just get out of the way is um, there's this kind of thought process out there that if I have to go to a place called that takes Medicaid, I'm going to get some sort of um, terrible care. I'm going to get poor care. You know, there's there's this idea that there are you know, these these nursing homes out there that are the hoity-toity places, and that's the only place I can go, and then nobody, you know, you don't want to be on Medicaid because they're going to stick you in the basement of some old building somewhere, and, and that's just not really how it works. Of course, there are a few nursing homes around that really don't take a lot of Medicaid, but by and large, most of the nursing homes, and there's about 700 of them across, what, uh, across Pennsylvania, the vast majority take Medicaid, and within some of those facilities, the vast majority of residents are on Medicaid. There's something like 80,000 people currently living in the state in nursing homes. In the majority, if they're long-term care residents, the majority of them end up on Medicaid. So if everybody's ending up on Medicaid, then it seems to me that it makes some sense to understand the rules around Medicaid so that we can we can understand how to access these funds for our care, get the care we need without going broke in the process. So you're not going to receive terrible care if you have to go to Medicaid. The, the care you receive is largely the same as you're going to get if you're private pay. You know, you, you walk into a nursing home, and I've been in a lot of nursing homes around western Pennsylvania, and on one side of the hall, somebody may be paying ten dollars or $12,000 a month, and across the hall is a person who's on Medicaid, and they're not paying so much. And the same nurse is walking back and forth across the hall giving the same medication, and, and um, you know, he or she doesn't know what the payment source is. They just know they're providing care. So I, I want to, to get that stuff out of your head if you have it that you shouldn't access Medicaid benefits because it's going to negatively impact your care. After having done this for a while, uh, I really don't see that happening. Um, most of the private nursing homes are the ones operated by the nonprofits around, take Medicaid, and they take a lot of it. Um, okay, so here's the next one that I want to chat with you about. Do you have to go broke to access Medicaid benefits? Well, maybe if you don't do it correctly. The the rules are pretty harsh. You know, the, nobody really thought about this thing when they developed Medicaid 50 or 60 years ago. Nobody really thought, hey, this is going to be America's long-term care safety net. And, and, you know, as the seniors and the baby boomers, these big generations get older, uh, this is the system they're going to be on when they need their long-term care. But it, but it's what we have. See, the, the fundamental problem is Medicare, which most senior, seniors rely on for health care in this country, does not pay for long-term custodial care. Medicare is in the acute care business. They'll pay for your heart attack. They'll pay for your cancer treatment. But they are not in the long-term custodial care business. They're not going to pay for the long-term custodial care associated with something like Parkinson's disease or Alzheimer's. So... The way that it works, just this crazy, in my opinion, kind of screwed up system that we have, will punish people financially based on the health care need they have, um, whether whether you're going to have your care paid for or whether you're going to have to go broke in the process. So here's here's real quick, real down and dirty, a couple of minutes on how Medicaid works. You have to understand that Medicaid treats 
single people differently than they treat married people. And Medicaid treats assets, savings, assets, different than they treat income. Right? So single people and married people, assets and income. So if a single person ends up in the nursing home, their available assets need to be below either, in Pennsylvania, either 2400 or $8,000 of available resource, and it depends how much income they have. So let's just say the person can have $8,000 or less. Once they're there, they can apply for Medicaid. Then pretty much all of their monthly income has to go toward their care every month. So their assets are below $8,000. Their income has to go toward the care. Um, now, that is the available assets. So what are the available assets? Well, it's pretty much everything you own except for your house and a car. You can prepay funeral arrangements. There's some smaller ancillary-type exempt assets. But by and large, you're allowed to have a house, you're allowed to have a car, and, um, and you're allowed to have up to $8,000. Once you're below that, you can apply for Medicaid. Medicaid starts paying the bill, except you have to contribute toward it by sending your income check to them every year. Now, I'm going to come back to the house because just, just because they don't count the house from an eligibility standpoint doesn't mean it's safe. So stay tuned. We're going to talk more about the house. You were listening to the Life and Legacy Show, sponsored by the Secular Law Firm. Um, and today we're discussing Medicaid eligibility, some of the common sort of myths and, and misunderstandings that are out there, and how you can help your family not lose the house, not lose the money to uh, to those long-term care costs. Okay, so we did an ex- we did sort of the general quick rules on a single person who needs care. Let's now quickly talk about a married person who needs care. So if dad goes into the nursing home and if mom is the healthy spouse living out in the community, the general rule is they add up all of their stuff and the healthy spouse, which we call the community spouse, the one living in the community, is allowed to keep half of the assets. The sick spouse, what we call the institutionalized spouse, the one in the nursing home, is only allowed to have about that $8,000. Okay. Now, there's a big caveat here. The half that the healthy spouse is allowed to keep is capped at a little over $128,000. So if the family started, um, dad went into the nursing home and the family had $200,000 in their savings, then mom is going to get to keep half. However, if that family has, say, $400,000 in savings, mom doesn't get to keep half anymore. The half she's allowed to keep is capped at $128,640. And that number varies a couple of a uh, couple of hundred dollars every year, but it's about 100 just for today $128,000. All right. Then you have to take a look at their income. So the healthy spouse's income, in in my fact pattern here, mom, her income is always safe. They can't get it. Dad's income is subject to care. However, Mom may get to keep some of dad's income based on her expenses. So there's this formula that Pennsylvania uses to calculate how much of dad's income mom, the healthy spouse, would be allowed to keep. But, you know, that that varies case by case. So she's allowed to keep half up to a maximum of $128,000. Her income is safe. She may get to keep some of his income. Okay, so that's sort of broad strokes, way high, 30,000 feet, how Medicaid works. Okay, now. Most of us probably would agree that, you know, if you work your whole life and you accumulate some stuff and you have this savings, you didn't do it. You didn't work hard and save when others spent and do all of this so that when you're senior and you need care, you're going to lose it to Alzheimer's disease, right? Because 
the Alzheimer's Association is telling us one in three seniors ends up with dementia. And if I'm on that train, I can't get off, right? I can't, I can't prevent it. They're working on it, but there's no real sound way to, to prevent dementia or Alzheimer's disease. But I'm working hard to accumulate some retirement funds. And so if I have some money when I'm older and I um, would have dementia and need a nursing home, I don't want to lose my entire life's legacy, my entire life savings here to the cost of care, right? So I want to take action to protect myself. So what do families do? You know, families don't know the details of Medicaid eligibility. Family know, Families know, hey, generally, I had better be broke before I go into the nursing home, right? They, they don't know the nuances. They know the, the broad strokes, kind of like what we just chatted about. So what do they end up doing? Well, they end up giving their house or their money to the kids. Well, Medicaid doesn't want you to do that. They don't want you giving away your house on Tuesday just to ask for Medicaid to pay for care on Thursday, right? They don't want you doing it two days before. They don't want you doing it for five years prior to needing the nursing home, right? So we have this thing called the five-year look-back period. And how it works is if you would need to go into the nursing home and you're applying for Medicaid, on the application it asks, have you given away any money in the last five years? And if the answer to that is yes, now you're going to have a problem. Um, and you're going to get what's called a Medicaid penalty period, an amount of time that you're not eligible for Medicaid to pay the nursing home because you transferred assets. Okay, So that's what the five-year look-back period is about. It's a reporting period. Going back in time from the date you apply for benefits, back five years, have you given anything away? And if the answer to that is yes, then there's going to be a period of time that they're not going to pay for the nursing home. And that period of time is based on the value of the asset you gave away. So, for example, roughly speaking, if I gave away $100,000 or a house worth $100,000, Medicaid's not going to pay for my care for about 10 months. That's called a penalty period. Okay, so during that penalty period, I got to figure out something else to do, right? I don't have any money. The Medicaid's not paying the nursing home. The nursing home is racking up this bill. And now we're in a difficult situation. So gifting prior to needing the nursing home is pretty risky business because all kind of nasty stuff starts happening when um, when the nursing home is not being paid. And listen, this isn't this show, we don't pick on nursing homes here. Nursing homes are providing valuable care. The problem is we've got this crazy system that requires you to go broke prior to or during your need for long-term care. And I just fundamentally disagree with it. I don't think it's a great system. And we're committed to helping you understand it better, helping you protect your home, protect your net worth, so that this stuff doesn't happen to you. Uh, my name is Tim Seckler from the Seckler Law Firm. You're listening to this week's episode of the Life and Legacy Show. If you want more information about this stuff, you should go to our website, secklerlawfirm.com. That's S-E-C-H-L-E-R, lawfirm.com. On the website, under the Workshops tab, I have pre-recorded a Medicaid eligibility seminar, a, a workshop that will teach you in more detail how some of these rules work and how you can protect yourself. Okay, so check it out at the secklerlawfirm.com. The tab is the workshops tab, and under there you'll find a Medicaid workshop, and you can watch a free video um, that explains in a lot more detail how Medicaid eligibility works. Now, I started the show here by saying we're tackling myths. And so the myth related to the five-year look-back period is, so you can't do anything within five years of needing long-term care. And that's not true. There's lots of things you can still do, 
even after someone is in the nursing home. Okay, so look, we do a lot of planning for people that that involves putting a plan five years prior to the need for care. We we work with families to make sure, you know, they put the assets in trust or whatever the idea is to help families understand that if I get sick, here's here are the funds that I'm going to be able to protect for my wife. Here's here's the money I'm going to be able to protect for the kids or whatnot. But for those families that don't have a five-year plan, if you have a family member currently in a nursing home or if somebody from church or your neighbor is in a nursing home and you suspect they're paying privately, you need to get them to our office or to another elder law attorney's office because there's a lot of techniques we can employ even after someone is in a nursing home. All right, So don't let the five-year rule scare you off. It's just one rule in a big old rule book full of lots of exceptions and nuances. Um, and that's that's sort of where elder law attorneys can help a lot is because what we do is we look at your factual situation. We say, hey, okay, there's these assets here. We're over-resourced for Medicaid currently. We've got too much money. What's the plan? This is called Medicaid spend-down planning. What's the plan to get the amount of assets that we're currently over-resourced by down to the acceptable levels without simply losing that money along the way? Is there anything we can do with those funds to help out the, the um, healthy spouse or to get shift assets to the kids or to a trust for the benefit of the kids so that we don't lose your life savings because you have, uh, you have the dementia or the stroke or the Alzheimer's? So that's a lot about what we're doing. The takeaway here is it is not too late to plan even if you're already in the nursing home. But what it does take, particularly if there is a capacity issue, a, a cognition issue, if someone has had a stroke or if someone has dementia and they're, they're not able to make the sound decisions anymore, there there is a problem here because that could be a situation where the family has lost control, which brings up an important point. If you're going to take one note off of today's episode, if there's one thing you ought to do, you you have to have a really good financial power of attorney document in place. Okay, now, I see a lot of these documents drafted by attorneys or pulled off the internet or whatever the case is that are not very good. Um, and, and what I mean and how you can know is you ought to take a look at the power of attorney, at the provisions itself. One of the things that I like to put in, of course, for my clients that have um, the goal of protecting assets and, and are in good families where they trust the kids and all that kind of thing, we do we do a lot of power of attorney documents that have broad gifting powers so that if somebody does end up in the nursing home, we have the authority to shift assets, move the house, move the savings to the spouse, to the kids, whatever the case is, so that we actually have the legal authority to make the moves we need to make to be able to protect those resources. Right? So most power of attorney documents in this state, if you have one, you should read it. Most of them are being prepared with pretty weak gifting provisions. And when you end up in our office and we're trying to help you out, I'm limited by what the power of attorney document says. If, if we're not allowed to gift assets, I can't very well transfer the house, do a deed to transfer the house, because you don't have the legal authority to do it. So the takeaway is you need to work with us or you need to work with another good elder law attorney to make sure you've got the strong gifting language, the strong Medicaid eligibility planning language in the power of attorney document so that we can make the moves we need to make. Okay, so soapbox over for a second, but that's a that's a big tip. I, I've seen families lose their house over a poorly drafted power of attorney document. So let's talk about the house. The house doesn't count. 
So one of the biggest uh, misconceptions or misunderstandings is just a confusing area in general is what happens with the house? You know, I, I understand that I, I'm not allowed to have much money, but they don't count my house. But then I hear about people losing their house. How, how does this all work? Well, the way that it works is they don't count the house from an eligibility standpoint because everybody in the nursing home, if you would ask them, everybody in there has the intent to get out of the nursing home to return home. Whether that's likely to occur or not is not really the question. The question is one of intent. And as long as you intend to move home, then they don't count the house. Okay, so I can go on Medicaid and still own a house. But here's the rub. Here's the problem. When I pass away, and I have been a long-term care Medicaid recipient, when I pass away, the state has a claim against my estate, which means the executor of my will will be forced to sell my house to come up with cash to repay the state of Pennsylvania for the money they spent out on my care. So they didn't count it from an eligibility standpoint, but when I pass away, they have a claim against it, and my executor has to sell it, and we end up losing the value of the house on the back end. So that's sort of the biggest rub, and, and this is why single people in the nursing home are going to go broke. If they're in there long enough, they're going to go to nothing because of the estate recovery claim. A single person on Medicaid in the nursing home is not, you know, if they own their house, I, I tell my clients, Medicaid's not paying the nursing home. Medicaid is loaning you money to pay the nursing home, and when you pass away, they're going to force your executor to sell the, the, the house that's in the estate to pay back their claim. So... Uh, you can't simply consider the house as safe just because they don't count it from an initial eligibility standpoint. Now, in a married case, remember, single people and married people are treated differently. Largely, the house will be okay. Oftentimes, we'll have, we'll have done some planning to shift the house to the healthy spouse, and they don't count the house. And if the healthy spouse owns that house, well, it, it's largely exempt from the Medicaid estate recovery program, which means when dad passes away, we don't lose it. So the house is a confusing issue, and it's really a fact-specific issue, which is why going ahead, like looking back in time, we, we set families up with pre-plans pre to protect the house because we really don't know how life is going to work out. We don't know if it's a single person in the nursing home. We don't know if it's going to be a widow or a widower going to the nursing home. So why not protect that house on the get-go? So that's a lot of what we do. You can learn all about that. We have a lot of material on the website, secularlawfirm.com. I've got estate planning workshops that are pre-recorded. I've got Medicaid workshop pre-recorded. You can check those things out. You can learn a lot. And if you're into it, if you would like to join us, if you're open to uh, open to the possibility of joining us for a live workshop. We have several every month. We're doing them mostly in the North Hills at a, uh, a place in Seven Fields called uh, The Well, and it's a big open room where we can spread you out and keep masks on and keep everybody safe. And you can ask me questions. I do the presentations. Come on up, check us out, uh, get all the information you want, figure out if we're a good fit for you to help you uh, with your planning and um, we look forward uh, to helping you there. Now, <clears throat> so we, we've gone through a lot of or, or sort of some of the biggest myths, right? You're not going to get terrible care. You don't necessarily have to go broke. But if you don't do good planning, you're probably going to end up that way, right? So this is where elder law attorneys often earn their salt. We, we, we uh, provide the value is default rules require you to go broke, but there's exceptions to those default rules. So let us help you out. Is it too late to plan within five years? No. 
a lot of our clients are already in the nursing home by the time we meet them. We didn't have a chance to put together a five-year plan. Now, if you are healthy, concerned about this stuff in the future, you ought to reach out and we could put together a five-year plan. But if your family missed that opportunity and now somebody's sick, reach out because there's still a lot of things we can do. If you're currently paying privately for nursing home care in a skilled nursing facility, maybe you don't have to be. Maybe there's an exception in the Medicaid law that will allow us to protect your stuff. Reach out for a free consultation. And then finally, the last one that we chatted about is uh, with regard to the house. So they don't count the house from an eligibility standpoint when you apply. But depending on the factual circumstance and how everything works out, you may end up losing the house to an estate recovery claim once you pass away. So the house is a, is a tricky situation, very factually specific what we do there. But oftentimes we're able to work with families to either protect the house or to provide some strategy uh, to protect, say, half the value of the house, and, um, and we take action there. So my job in these cases is to meet you, figure out if you're a good fit for us. You figure out if we're a good fit for you present you some options. Here's here's option A, option B, option C. We think you can help us. Um, then we get started. We start working with the assets, moving things around. We do the Medicaid application. We we uh, communicate with the nursing home um, and uh, in the Medicaid office to get you eligible for Medicaid. So that's a bit about what we do. You have been listening to uh, the Life and Legacy Show, sponsored by the Seckler Law Firm. 724-841-1393, or check us out anytime. Check out the free resources at secularlawfirm.com. Remember, everybody, um, this show is for educational purposes. We talked a lot about a lot of technical things in today's episode. Do not go out and do this on your own. Each situation, your family's situation, has unique um, unique facts, unique legal implications. You need to work with a lawyer in this stuff. Think of a nursing home admission as a legal problem. Um, and you need to you need to hire a lawyer to help you with these issues. Thanks for listening this week. We'll see you next time. This has been the Life and Legacy Show, sponsored by the Seckler Law Firm, where great families make great plans. SecklerLawFirm.com or call 724-841-1393.